This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. We're just, you know, just days away celebrating the birth of Jesus. And faith is a major part of our lives here in America, a major part of the founding of this country. No matter what anyone tries to tell you, we're going to share some things about Christmas, and particularly the Christmas story that may just strengthen your faith coming up in moments. Justin Barkley in for Glenn today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's the reason for the season. And we can't deny it. Hey, listen, if uh, if you're just going through the motions this Christmas, you may, I think, use a little jolt in your faith. And maybe a reminder of why we celebrate. And hopefully that'll, that'll come into play here. Justin Barkley in for Glenn today. In the Glenn Beck program, you can connect with me. Uh, everywhere that I'm at. Go to justinbarclay.com, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y, justinbarclay.com. Send me a message there as well. Father Dwight Longenecker joins us right now. He's a priest and the author of The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds and The Mystery of the Magi. A couple of great books for this time of year. In fact, I'm reading The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds right now. Father, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks for the invitation. Merry Christmas. So, you know, we hear the word the term fake news quite a bit when it comes to things that we hear in the news and of course politics and everything else these days but uh turns out it may not necessarily be intentional in some ways but there are some things that uh, may not necessarily be as true as it maybe we heard traditionally through the years in christmas stories and you did a little research project uh, a few years back when you were able to kind of step away on a sabbatical and and look into some of the stories that we hear in the Bible, particularly around Jesus' birth in the Gospels. And I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about that um, and share what you found, in fact. So thank you for joining us and thank you for writing about it. I'm enjoying the book. It's It, it really is, um, well, it's interesting to see some of the, uh, the, tr- the, the true story behind uh, the birth of Christ. Now, uh, we're told a lot of things that... 
I think folks look at even sometimes look at some of these stories like they're fairy tales. But you've got some actual evidence that points to uh, not just Christ, but his his divine birth. Yeah, we have to remember that these stories come to us from 2,000 through 2,000 years of tradition. And through those 2,000 years, it's not only 2,000 years of tradition, but it comes to us through its own little pilgrimage or journey from the ancient Middle East uh, through uh, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages of Europe, and then Northern Europe uh, and England, and eventually to the New World, uh, our culture today. And so here in the 21st century, we're dealing with very ancient stories which have a long uh, history of their own. And all, as it came along on that journey to us, it accumulated lots of extra baggage, uh, extra traditions, beautiful traditions and beautiful interpretations of the story, which we now accept as part of the story and part of the whole thing. So I try to go back and uh, sort of trim away all those extra accretions and all that extra stuff to see what the Gospels actually say and how that fits with the geography and the archaeology and the politics of the time. <clears throat> so what would be some of the things that you found to be the most interesting uh, <clears throat> along your journey in, in the research and in, in writing the book, The Secret of the Bethlehem uh, Shepherds? Well, one of the things to remember also is that in our age, we are really lucky because we um, live in an age when through archaeology and forensics and textual evidence, we know more about the ancient Middle East and the time of the New Testament than they have, than our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents ever did. So this is an exciting time to be alive, to, uh, to, to experience all of these discoveries. But to get to, to answer your question, one of the things, for instance, is there was no room for them in the inn. And of course, when we hear that, most of us in our mind will um, conjure up the idea of some kind of a medieval European tavern with a grumpy innkeeper out on the doorstep with his, his you know, drying his hands on a tea towel and saying, I'm sorry, there's no room for you here. You'll have to go to the stable over there across the hillside. Well, actually, um, the word that's translated as in in our English translations is the Greek word kataluma which basically means guest room. And I discovered that the uh, houses in Bethlehem at the time uh, would, be, would have been very simple one- or two-room homes with a guest room built on either on the roof or off to the side. Because the Middle Easterners have a very strong tradition of hospitality uh, and also especially hospitality for family members. So the idea that Mary and Joseph uh, and baby Jesus were homeless on Christmas night is something which we've sort of appropriated over the centuries and added in our own age because we have a natural compassion for homeless people and a good compassion for immigrants and so forth. Um, but most certainly, Joseph, the Holy Family, would have gone to Bethlehem, uh, Joseph's hometown, and gone to a relative's home and found that there was no room in their guest room, so therefore uh, they were ushered to the stable. Now, these, guests, these little simple homes would have been built in front of a cave, uh, and if you go to the Holy Land today, you can still see these uh, uh, cave homes. Uh, and the cave was reserved for storage. It was like the back room. It was reserved for storage and, and stabling the animals. So Jesus would not have been born in a drafty stable somewhere, but in a, uh, a cave that was used as a stable, which was kind of like the back room of the family home. Now, what about this, the, the manger and, and the story about being put in the manger, obviously the... 
the 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 the, the sheep playing a role here, and, and we see the animals nativity scene, the, the wise men, and all of that. Any any of that? Well, yeah. Again, the, the visions we have, the, the the images we have of the nativity, which have come to us over these two thousand years, are, are beautiful. They come to us from Renaissance paintings and Victorian paintings and modern day paintings and and stories and so forth. But these are imaginative works about what it would have happened based on the on the simple historic tale. There's archaeological evidence that there was uh, in between the two roomed house and the stable behind it there would have been a kind of half wall uh, which had a carved out place where the animals were fed, uh, and this manger bed would have been where the baby Jesus would have been would have been laid. Mm. One of the most interesting pieces of, of your work and the, the research that you did, I think, was talking about the story uh, about how the shepherds were, were out in the field. And, of course, uh, what w- maybe the story of, of why that was is so important, the Lamb of God, um, all of that. And you found something uh, to be a little, I think a little bit interesting about the truth, about what, what was really happening in those fields. And I think the truth kind of confirms some of that story. Yeah, there is a kind of uh, preaching point which has been which circulates at this time of year, in which preachers like to say, you know, the shepherds were sacred shepherds, and they were raising the lambs for sacrifice in the temple, and when the baby lamb would be born, it would be wrapped up in strips of cloths and laid in a feeding trough to be pre- protected until the priest could come and investigate the lamb to see if it was worthy for sacrifice. Therefore, when the angel said, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger, and this shall be a sign unto you, that the shepherds would have known they were going to find the true Lamb of God. Well, that is a beautiful preaching point, but I researched this very much in depth over the last over the two months I was in Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and I could not find any evidence for that uh, story. However, there was a tiny scrap of evidence which points in that direction, and that is that in the Mishnah, which is a Jewish collection of rubrics and rules for worship and life, uh, there is a reference that the animals that were raised between Jerusalem, in the hills between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is just six miles from Jerusalem, were to be used for temple sacrifice. So a lot of scholars do believe that the shepherds of Bethlehem were actually sacred shepherds, and that they were raising the thousands and thousands of lambs and sheep and goats, which would have been used for sacrifice in the temple. So these really uh, uh, were in an area that, uh, that, that really would have had some major significance there. Yeah, I, and I think that significance is there, especially when you look at the, the, the history of uh, the Jews and the Old Testament of shepherds and lambs for sacrifice. Father Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David, King David was a shepherd boy in the same hills of Bethlehem. And this area of the Hebron Valley was where those patriarchs eventually settled and where David was brought up and where he served and he looked after the flocks. So the whole symbolism and the history of shepherds uh, and a close connection with um, God himself, who in the Old Testament is reckoned to be the good shepherd, all of this uh, sort of plays a part in the story of the shepherds in Bethlehem. Father Dwight Longenecker is with us right now. He's written the book, The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds. Um, I'm really enjoying your book, Father. You actually, you went there, you, you dove in, and I think there's a lot that, that comes to mind when we, the people of faith, and maybe you go 
uh, to church or maybe you read about or hear about these stories and it just becomes part of your tradition, whatever it is when you see the Christmas story. Um, but to actually go to where this all took place, it becomes a lot more real. You start to get your hands in the dirt, so to speak. You start to really see some of the stories come to life in a lot of ways. What has that done for your faith? Well, I think one of the problems with uh, Christianity in the modern world today is that for about a century now, scholars have been debunking the historical aspect of the Gospels and basically saying, you know, it's all a tissue of fairy tales and imaginations of the early Church. These things didn't happen, especially the supernatural things didn't happen. And I like to go back and say, well, let's read the text exactly for what it is and try to strip away a lot of our own imaginations of what that looked like or what that was like and try to imagine what it was really like at the time, at the place, in order to understand more deeply and more fully the reality of the historical aspects of the Gospels. If folks want to get your books and maybe lean into a little bit more, I'm enjoying it this time of year. I think it's it's something we all ought to do, uh, particularly uh, the, the Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds uh, and the book about the Magi as well. Where can they go? Where can they find out more? Well, I have a blog. It's called it's at DwightLongenecker.com. And just today I've blogged on the question, how do we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? So people like to, might like to go and pick up some of those extra readings there. The blog is free. Uh, there's other content which is behind a paywall, but they're welcome to come and look there at my books as well, DwightLongenecker.com. All right, so don't give it away, but how do we know? <laughs> well, very quickly, I don't know how much time we have, but basically um, the shepherds we know from Luke's Gospel passed on the story of what happened and, and what they experienced that night. The locals there in Bethlehem remembered the actual location of Jesus' birth, and in the year 135, really just about a hundred years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Emperor Hadrian uh, built a temple on the site of where the birth of Jesus was already being venerated by early, the early Christian Church. So this is very early, the year 135. He built a temple to Adonis on that location, um, and then... 200 years later, when the Empress Helena, the white, the mother of the Emperor Constantine, who became a Christian, comes to the Holy Land to find the sacred sites, that location of the Temple of Adonis, built by the Emperor Hadrian, was still there. And the locals said, yes, that emperor 200 years ago built the pagan temple on the site of Jesus' birth. So in trying to wipe out Christianity, he actually preserved the site for posterity. And the Church hmm. of the Nativity in Bethlehem today is built on that same site. Fascinating stuff, and and definitely a little something different for this time of year. Father, thank you so much for joining us today. Wish you a Merry Christmas. Thanks for the invitation. God bless. Father Dwight Longenecker, and of course more at DwightLongenecker.com. Justin Barkley, like I said, a little something different because tis the season. Just days away here as we celebrate Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Back right after this on the Glenn Beck Program. Still wait on that vote in the house today. Uh, you haven't seen anything moving just yet for that $1.7 trillion, and that's just kind of like the estimate. Uh, omnibus bill. We'll keep you up to date on that. Should we see something uh, come to life on it? We'll give you the, uh, the heads up. Looks like that's that's a done deal. Uh, but we'll give you the uh, the scoop, the details when that does happen. 888-727-BECK is the number. 
That's 888-727-BECK. You can also send me a message if you like, justinbarclay.com. Click on that uh, link there at the uh, the uh, the website, justinbarclay.com. Love to, to chat with you. Hear from you. I'd like to fit a few more in before we're done today. Just, just phone calls, talking to you, give you a chance to sound off. And, of course, as you get a little bit closer to uh, well, Christmas and the holidays, the news doesn't stop. Used to be years ago, you would, you would have a little bit of a break and things would be kind of really slowing down. But this year, the last couple of years, really, what I've noticed, there is no stop. Never a dull moment. It's always like drinking from a fire hose. We do our best to stay on top of it. Of course, you're getting it at 24-7 at theblaze.com. And, of course, uh, you know we fill in paying attention to things for you, and we're going to have those conversations about some of the issues that, uh, you know, that, that aren't taking a rest. But I got to warn you, there's a bit of a... Um, there's a bit of an issue with that, too. You're constantly paying attention to everything. You're constantly trying to stay up to date with it all. You're, you're, it's, it's, you just never do it. You never can. It's never enough. And let me tell you, I've experienced this in my own life. You really can't. You can't keep up with it all. It's something that you will chase and you will never be able to actually catch up with. So I'm going to give you some tips just, just out of my own toolbox for making sure that you're able to kind of turn it off every now and then. Well, some, I'm not telling you to stick your head in the sand necessarily. That's not what I mean. And ignore it all. I think it's important that we do stay on top of the things that are going on in our world. Of course, that is important. I do believe that there are things that deserve more of our attention, deserve a greater uh, focus. And I'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit too. But I want to give you some some ideas, some things that uh, that you may may actually come in handy over the next uh, uh, a few days, at the very least. 888-727-BECK, B-E-C-K, is the number. Yeah, we, we, never, we never get an escape from it. Part of it by design. If you look at the crisis, one after the other, it's designed to keep you in a constant and perpetual state of reaction. What's next? Well, look at the border. Well, look at the, what, what, what they're doing in Arizona. Oh, my gosh, the election. Now they're going to sign this on the books. You see, it's one thing after another. And the, and the reason why this can be so damaging is that, you know, you're constantly going from one thing to the other and you're distracted. You're pulled in a million different places. And the things that matter most never get the full attention that they deserve. When you're pulled in so many different directions, you can't focus on the things that matter most. And you can't really get anything done. So you end up with a lot of activity, but not enough accomplishment. At least, not really any meaningful or effective accomplishment. And this is something that I think the Republican Party, but not just that, the American people are feeling, experiencing, seeing on a daily basis. How do you find the calm in the chaos? How do you clear your head so that you can focus on the things that matter most? Because 
I'll tell you, it's going to be in the coming days more and more important. If we really do want to take our country back, we got to learn a couple of things. I'll share how it's done as we put the wraps on this edition coming up in moments of the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Back in for Glenn. Justin Barclay on the Glenn Beck Program. You can connect with me at Justin Barclay, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. All over the place. Don't forget to check out theblaze.com. They're still running news, still going 24-7. Of course, they keep up with all of it at theblaze.com. And if you miss any of this program or any this week, there's been some stellar programs this week. You can always catch up with the podcast at glennbeck.com. Wanted to take a couple of quick phone calls and get those in because, you know, tis the season. We're almost... We're almost there for Christmas, and i get you in if I can. 888-727-BECK, B-E-C-K, 888-727-BECK. We'll deal with uh, Porter in South Carolina. Porter, you're up first on the Glenn Beck program. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Loving the program. Missing Thanks, Glenn. Best part of the day, actually. Yeah. <laughs> hey, for all those people that had to go through that big deal uh, out in Texas where they had a, the power outages and everything's freezing and all, you know it's coming. A little bit of common sense. This is your daddy talking to you. Okay. If you have access to a pair of uh, vice grip pliers mm-hmm. or even a street key, go out to your water meter, pull the lid off of it, turn it off at the street. Go out to your Lowest water spigot in the house, crack it open, let it drain out. You might also want to pull out the, uh, you know, open the spigots in your house. Drain the water out of your pipes. If your house is going to get, you know, below 32 degrees inside, you don't have heat, you don't have, uh, you know, a lot of open uh, insulation or any way to keep it, you know, warm, just get the water out of the pipes as much as you can. Porter, I appreciate yeah, that. You're, I, you're, you're right. This stuff will freeze over. And then they're not built for that in, in some place, especially, especially Texas. Appreciate that. This old house brought to you by Porter. Jeff in Georgia. Jeff, how are you? I appreciate it. I love talking to you guys. 888-727-BECK is the number. How are you, Jeff? Hey, I am fine. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah, I was telling the screener there that I heard at the top of the hour uh, some kind of bill got passed. Um, it wasn't the omnibus bill, some other bill, but in it was a provision that Republicans had pushed for mm-hmm. was that the military COVID mandate was dropped. Yeah. And I just want to know all the folks that were pushed out of the military, are they going to reinstate them? Cause I worked with a lady and her son had 12 years in straight yeah. out of high school. Um, and they just pushed him out last month. That's the Defense uh, Authorization Act. They, they they put that through. McCarthy was able to get that done. And and uh, looks like some some of the good news there. Jeff, amen. They they ought to get those guys back in. Reinstate them. And here's what I'll add with back pay. Jeff in Georgia, appreciate you calling in. That is some good news. And in Michigan, up next on the Glenn Beck program with some good news on your end. And how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Listening to the program, loving it in this storm. Wow, a bright light. 
Yeah, I've got good news for everybody. If you're wondering what to do about your faith, we can do something. Holland, Michigan's Mayor Nathan Bach, with pressure from the Ottawa County Patriots, emails and calls, has decided to declare April Faith, F-A-I-T-H, month. He has declared June as Pride Month, and now we have this on our calendar. Now, we're going to have to rise up and meet and do things for that month. But on the other hand, I want you out there to know, get a hold of your uh, municipality government, tell them this is what you want. You're the people, and do it politely, kindly, but with pressure. And um, here we go. 2023, Holland, Michigan, is going to experience, express, and um, exercise their faith right here in their city. Um, I'm going to see it. That's great news, Anne. Thank you for the call. Uh, you know, uh, th- th- this is a good point. We, we This is, uh, you get people that think a lot of times, and, and part of this is, is we're meant to feel this way, folks. They want you to feel like there's nothing you can do. They want you to feel hopeless. They want you to feel helpless. They want you to feel like it just doesn't matter. Don't try and fight City Hall. You're never going to get it. That's that's the point of all this. And, it, you know, and, and let's be honest, I get it. Some of this, I feel pretty, you know, down sometimes, too. But we've always got to remember that no matter what, we've got to continue to fight. you got to keep it up. Those people that, uh, that, that made that happen, that put the pressure on to get that done. I mean, I know it seems like a small thing. You might think, well, you, we've got big problems here. But all the politics is local. All of these things that we face on a daily basis, and there's a, a, a storm of chaos. I mean, crises after crisis, one after the other, all of it. What's happening down at the border to this inflation, the omnibus they're going to pass, are going to make things even worse, and of course, the election issues, all of it, every single bit. There's, I mean, we could, we could name piece after piece, and we still wouldn't have enough time and go through an entire three-hour show and still, still couldn't get done. Your faith is under attack. All these different things, but it's designed to make you feel like you're, you know, you're, you're overwhelmed on all sides. It's designed to make you feel like there's absolutely nothing that you can do. This is, this is part of the problem. But I'm here to tell you there's just another example there of people standing up, deciding where they're going to stand firm, how they're going to fight back, and doing it, I think, in a, in a way uh, in which not only gets results, you know, it's effective, but it gives you a little glimmer of what's possible. So, so congratulations to those folks who continue to fight back. Don't lose hope. I'll give you a little bit of how I I think we need to learn to fight back, and and it might be counterintuitive, in fact. It might go a little bit against the grain. In fact, it might challenge some of the conventional wisdom of how we fight. You know, how you're supposed to fight. And we come back. Quick break. Back with you and some tips after this on the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. 
Merry Christmas from the Blue Black Program. It's Justin Barkley in for Beck today. Uh, you know, I want to give you some tips, some things of how we can stay fresh in the fight because, you know, there there is a, I mean, the, the truth is when, when we face the fight that we face every day in this country for our kids, for the soul of this nation, you know, it can become overwhelming. There is, there is quite a bit, and I hear it, you know, I, I do a show here in, in West Michigan and Grand Rapids, W-O-O-D, Wood Radio, and there's Radio Wood 1300 FM, and I will tell you, this has been a very tough year for a lot of folks, with a very contentious election, uh, specifically here in Michigan, but all throughout the country, the midterms were really... Uh, tough. There were some glimmers of hope. There were some good pieces of news, but I think a lot of folks still finding, you know, where was that red wave? The red tsunami we heard about, things like that. Finding some challenging uh, times in a lot of it. And, there, and, and let's be honest, there you, you got to be realistic. We got problems, folks. And I believe we ought to face those problems. I believe we ought to go right through them. But I also want to tell you one of the ways I think we often overlook in battle is this is going to be completely, I think, antithetical to the way some folks might be thinking, but is to make sure that you're well-rested, to make sure that you don't lose hope. Over these next coming days, you might have an opportunity here or there to take a bit of a break. And we ought to. You know, like I said earlier, the news never stops nowadays. It's like drinking from a fire hose. And in some days, a hydrant. And many times people have told me when I bring that up, it says, no, it's, it's more like a sewage pipe. <laughs> you know, now that you mention it, yeah, especially some of these stories. <sighs> it can be. But the news never stops. The cycle just continues and I believe a lot of it, most of it, is really meant to to overwhelm us. To, to, to really keep us from being able to focus. It's meant to distract us. The fog of war. What they call that. Well, what happens if you get bogged down? You get demoralized. You, you're no good. You can't fight. You can't see the target. You don't know what you're facing. And if it's coming from all angles, you can feel like there's no hope. So what I suggest is taking some time. I wrote a book a couple of years back. It's called Good News, Hope, and Encouragement for Trying Times. And in the book, well, part of it for me was writing about my my first daughter and her story. And she was born around this time. In fact, uh, December 6, 2020. She was born at 27 weeks. She was born early. The doctor said, oh my gosh, we don't know what's going to happen. Your daughter is coming. My wife's water broke. And we, uh, we didn't know what to expect. The doctor said they came in and told us all kinds of number of different things that could possibly happen and go wrong. And 
of course, even in the middle of all that, I had a bit of a peace to know that everything was going to work out. I don't know if I can really explain all of that. I do know now where it came from. It's the peace that follows me to this day, even in these times. But it's a piece that I, I like to share with others if I can. I like to give it to you. But I can't just hand it over. You have to go looking for it yourself. I share in that book part of my process. Ah, one of the things that I do, and I won't, I won't bore you with everything, but one of the things that I try to do is make sure that I clear a little bit of time on my calendar to clear my head. And you may be saying, but I don't have time for that. You just don't understand. I'm overwhelmed. I got so much going on. I don't. I just don't have time to sit down and clear my calendar and do nothing. Well, you need it more than me then. But every morning, just a little bit of time to set your day, um, your GPS, right? So that you know where you're going and you're rooted in a solid foundation. I read a devotion. I spend time reading my Bible. I pray. I talk to God. I try to listen. I give him a little bit of time the first of my day. And I'm always perfect with this, and some days are better than other. In fact, I got a little time off next week. I'm going to spend some time doing more of that. I think we overlook how important rest is. You know, God commanded it. The seventh day, even he rested when he made all of this. And he didn't have to. I mean, he's God. So <laughs> there must be more to that. Maybe a set of instructions for us. You know, we're human after all. We're frail. We're fragile. As much as we like to think we're strong. We can't do it all alone. The good news is you don't have to. Take some time and think about what matters most. Over the next couple of days, maybe you start to think about some of the things that are going well already. I like to make a list in the morning. Three things that are are great. Three things that are, are really, you know, I'm grateful for. Something I've been blessed with. My health, my children, whatever it might be. That'll be enough to set you up, I think, on, on the right path to making a difference. We need you in the fight. We need you well-rested so that you continue. Folks, I, I don't ever want to see you give up. I don't ever want to give up. We need each other. And we need to recognize where our strength and our hope comes from. 
It is always an honor and a pleasure filling in for Glenn. Thanks to the folks back in Dallas who do such an amazing job. I got to tell you, they make this look and sound so easy. They're fantastic. Wishing you the best no matter where you are. More at JustinBarkley.com this Christmas season. Merry Christmas to all. God bless. This is the Glenn Beck Program.